the 32 meg quest begins. The millennium. A portal is opened. The chain of time is broken. A young man is transported into the past, altering the course of history and the outcome of the future. He has to find his way home, but first he must travel to the outer edges of time to repair the world's chronology. On the way, he encounters strange friends and foes, utilizes incredible devices and vehicles, and penetrates and neutralizes the fortresses of the past, present, and future. A paradox has been created. If he does not restore the order of time, nothing will ever be the same. He is the one who will become a hero. He is Chrono. A.K.A. Marty McFly. With a sword. With a sword. He's back, bitches. It's time for Back to the Future 4. Woo! <laughs> hey, excuse me, princess. A reputation. Now you're playing with power. Superpower. Sonic 2 handles stubborn stains. Embarrassing bald spots, no problem. Warning. Incoming game. Two best friends get sent back to the year 1990X. Now they have to play games the old school way. No guides, no internet. No way! This is the Retro Reset Podcast. Call in game tips at 747-21-RESET. That's 747-217-3738. Ask your parents for help. <laughs> the game definitely has like a has a DeLorean-style vehicle in it. Yeah. It has a time-traveling machine. Is Christopher Lloyd dead? No, he's still alive. Oh, okay. So they can get together and do a four. Yeah, this is the game. Yeah, sure. This is, they were going to make four. Instead, they did Chrono Trigger. I mean, we all know what it is. Marty, yeah. Marty got himself a new haircut, you know, but it's, you know, yeah. And Mel, Melkor, Melkor, right. That's Doc Brown. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah, that works. Okay. Yeah. The cut print, put it out. There it is. It's Let's actually in, in, in Australia. It's back to the future four. I'm just making crap. Up. Yeah, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would love to see like a bootleg of Chrono Trigger that has back to the future, like aesthetics <laughs> like in china just call it back to future four. <laughs> oh my god or they pick like they pick like a random number to make it sound cooler like back to future eight uh-huh. right like you get like sonic or something yeah like sonic five or something there's some rom hacks it's like sonic five sonic 77 yeah there's a sonic just seven like, that's on yeah it's just a hack of another hack or something like that yeah, it's really bad. I remember it being really, really awful. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's a good time. Um, so, hey, everybody. Uh, chrononauts, as we've uh, yeah. thought about calling you. Yeah, um, let us know what you think we're about that. Yeah, we're workshopping names. You could be time travelers. You could be chrononauts. You could be something else. Maybe you have a different name for yourself. I don't know. Self-identify. Yeah, uh, But welcome back to another episode of Retro Reset. If you're new to the show, Retro Reset is a gaming time machine. We play games without internet guides or walkthroughs, and we do deep dives into their history, development, advertising, merchandise, and time period in order to take you with us back to the video stores and living rooms of yesterday. Welcome to the year 1990X. I'm Alan. I'm Kyle. And what are we doing today? What are we, what are we looking at today, Kyle? <sighs> the day has come. Um, the time portal is opened. We're back to 1990X, and we're we're presented with yet another time anomaly in front of us, where we can travel to several different points of time, including the end of it. And in that end of the time is is today's last today's mission, which is Chrono Trigger for Super Nintendo yes. slash DS. 
We're headed back to 1995, folks, and it's going to be awesome. We usually spend time at the beginning of the episode talking to you about the game that we're going to play next week. But this week we are going to break from tradition a little bit because this is going to be a giant-sized two-parter. One episode to talk about the history and development and another episode to talk about our review of the game. So we're going to be taking some extra special time to make this an extra special episode just for you. Just for you. And also just because we love Chrono Trigger so much that it felt it felt necessary. Yeah. And and it's going to be very interesting, too, because we have you, an old hardcore fan and me kind of like a new blossoming fan. So, well, it's it's kind of interesting to. Yeah. See what that dynamic is. See, see, see what you got out of the game compared to what I got out of the game when I first played it. Yeah. Um, So let's start with uh, what have you been doing the past week, man? Uh, working, working in a working, yeah. in a working. You playing any other games but uh, Chrono Trigger? Um, Mario Maker Two. Hello. Oh yeah, you know, I I feel really bad because I bought Mario. I pre-ordered Mario Maker Two. I was really excited about it. I was really excited to build the levels, and you've built some already, yeah. haven't you? Yep. I'm working on yeah. number four right now, or five. Maybe we can tweet out some of the uh, level codes. Heck people. yeah. And we can put it on the old Discord. Yeah, that'll be fun. Um, yeah, so we we started a Discord this past week uh, for Retro Reset. And um, it's just so you guys can get uh, announcements as quickly as possible. And if we announce a new game or you want to send in stuff, you know, all of that information is right there. Uh, and it it's, it's easier to miss on something like Twitter where I post an announcement and, you know, maybe five people see it before it goes away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, even with as many followers as we've gotten, we're, we're up to about 210 now, which is awesome. Yeah. We've, um, Facebook, yeah, we really jumped up. up. Yeah. I mean, everything's yeah. been doing pretty good. Uh, plus discord, I think yeah. gives us other like new opportunities, like uh, have more of like that schoolyard effect where if one of us is stuck in the game, we could go to discord and be like, Hey peoples, you know, this is yeah. the problem we're having. Like, like exactly. Me, you know, so if you're listening to this right now and you know anything about fighting some golem chicks, let me know. Now, see, I don't remember the golem ladies, but I think where be... you're stuck, I, I I don't remember that boss fight at all. I'll be honest. I can explain it to you, but mm-hmm. we'll get to that next time, I guess. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to the we'll get to the gameplay stuff next week. Um, Hopefully, I'll maybe I'll figure so... it out. Find out next time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping. I'm hoping. But. Uh, but... Go ahead. Before we digress, though, did you ever play the sanity mm-hmm. test? Have you played the sanity test yet? No. What's no. that? It's a get level I made. On oh, okay. <laughs> it's I haven't had a chance yet. See, that's that's what I was getting to. Is I have uh, played most of your first levels that you sent that first day, yeah. but I've been so obsessed with Skyrim again lately that I've just been neglecting my Mario Maker. Just Skyrim <laughs> I, jobbing. I, it. I, yeah, like it's oh gross. It's one of those things where like every once in a while I get back into Skyrim and I I dedicate like a huge amount more time oh, to it. So dude, I know, I know. Dude, it's such a time sink. Bruma, yeah. you been to Bruma yet? Hmm. Bruma. Someone Burma. made an expansion, an unofficial expansion for Skyrim. Oh, you know what? I've been playing the Switch version. Oh, you've been playing on Switch. I I yeah. I just got done playing it for PC a while ago. And mm-hmm. I played the modded. This time I played through it modded with 
X yeah. thing. So that would have been playthrough number four for me. But I imagine I'll go back to it eventually. I've played through several times. I don't think I've ever beaten it, but the Switch version, I'm I'm taking some time to like sort of go through the vanilla story, go through as much as I can, and, <laughs> and I'm I'm getting really into it. I've, I've spent a lot of time just like I don't know existing in that world. I built my Hearthfire house, which I had never done before because I didn't have the um I didn't have the expansions the first time I I played through, and I don't know. It's just super fun. I, yeah. I've been maxing out my my archery uh, ability. Per uh, use tree, yeah. yeah. That's my that's my favorite because I feel like it's like the most OP, yeah, weapon set in the game. But I think next time I play, I'm gonna be a wizard. Yeah, last time I played, I was uh, I was a destructo mage. Mm-hmm. It nice. works out okay. Uh, you run into yeah. some issues with some of the bosses because it's yeah. not as easy to hit with spells as it is with uh, an arrow. Yeah, it seems like it. Well, the arrow is nice, too, because you get the ability to um, slow time. freeze time. Yeah. Yeah. So I've actually been using the slow time shout as well, uh, in addition to make things even more, uh, you know, controlled. So I'm having a great time with it, um, but it's definitely like I spent five hours today doing it like it was nothing. I was going to do the dishes early and I'm like, ah, I'll play a little Skyrim before I start. And before I knew it, it's like, oh, it's 430. <laughs> surprise yeah um so again this week we're taking on chrono trigger we're going to tell you guys what uh, the next game we're playing is next episode as well as play the uh, voicemails and emails uh in the next episode because i feel like the personal experience part is probably gonna be more appropriate yeah. in the uh, part we're reviewing the game you also might notice that Alan's probably going to be taking the reins mostly going through the technical stuff and all that crap and then the funniness stuff. And then next week I'm going to be kind of walking you down the playthrough area. So going to get a, yeah. it's like maybe a different sort of, um, I don't know, perspective through each time. I think, I think it'll be interesting. Definitely. Yeah. I'm really excited about it. Um, so are you ready to start, man? Oh yeah. You ready to go back in time? Oh yeah, did you fix your soundboard? Uh mostly. Okay. <laughs> I have I have one sound effect and What's I that? have a song. Okay. Okay. Time circuits on, flux capacitor, fluxing, engine running. All right. Okay. We're back in nineteen ninety five. I should probably use the sound effect where the car like goes you know? Way to ruin the immersion, man. I thought I was yeah. literally going back in time. Oh, we literally have gone back in time. Yeah. We're now in the year 1995. We need to upgrade our flux drivers so that it has better <laughs> sound effects. Yeah, we gotta we gotta get some more plutonium too for the trip back. We gotta get a sound blaster sound card and get a get a voodoo <laughs> video card. <laughs> voodoo two, man, that's where it's voodoo at. Voodoo two, yeah, man. Woof. I had a I had a voodoo two card on my old PC. Dude, I'm jelly. Yeah, my my dad got me a, a graphics card when I was a kid. I don't remember why, but we went into a, a computer store and they like talked us into it and it came with games and it was like this huge thing. And I was like, oh, my gosh, Sonic R is going to look so good. Yeah, <laughs> and it did. I mean, you know, it pretty much did. Yeah, um, it also ruined Lego Island, made it unplayable. <laughs> How did it do that? Did it just speed it up real bad or something? It's too much. Yeah, it's too much video RAM. Oh, yeah. Too much RAM. Yeah. Too much for RAM. That's a problem I wish that I had nowadays. (laughs) Oh, 
Well, you know, someday my, you'll be able to get a new computer. My my computer has not enough anything. I need. Is, can issues. you reformat a computer without using a disk? Can you just use it like a reformat thing through the BIOS or something? I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, well, you know, we should go through your computer and see what we can do to like maybe like spruce it up a little bit without it spending any money. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, so we're back in 1995. Man, tell me what were you doing in 1995? What was your life like? I think we were both seven years old. Okay, seven years old. I was turned seven in April. Right. Yeah. Let's see. Try. To... <laughs> um. Let's see. Seven. Probably watching a lot of one Saturday morning on weekends. Oh, totally. Uh, watched a lot of recess. Heck mm-hmm. yeah. Let's see. 1995. What was I playing mostly? What was my go to game? Oh, man. I hardly remember. I think NBA Jam was the jam. Oh, yeah. That time. Yeah. Okay. I say. Well, you, I, like you know, I said, for night. If, go ahead. It's like it all kind of muddles together because, you know, it's been a while back. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely like 1995 is like the year before I feel like I started remembering a lot of this stuff. Yeah. Um, I have like bits and pieces of of things from when I was that age, but I didn't get as far as games go. I didn't have um, I had an NES until 1996. Um, yeah. So I was playing. Uh, spy versus spy and i was really bad at it but mostly mostly mario brothers and duck hunt to be honest those were my like go-to's on a day-to-day basis was yeah like the i I had the mario brothers duck hunt like dual cartridge so yeah if i if i wanted to play a game that's what i was playing yeah um because i just didn't have a lot i I think i had i mean i had other games i had ninja gaiden and i was terrible at it um i had wolf corp wolf blitzer core Wolf something, Operation Wolf, and Bad Dudes. I had the oh. game Bad Dudes. Yeah, so I had a lot of good games, but I was just so bad at them because I was really young and everything was, you know, as they say, Nintendo hard. So um, mostly, I could only get through uh, Super Mario. Yeah, I probably was in the same boat. I couldn't hardly do anything. I was so yeah. game inept. Yeah, I got a Genesis a year later, so this would have been like this is like before I really became a big gamer, uh, when it was just like this is a thing we have in the house, and I think it's awesome, but I don't know what to what else to do with it. You know, Genesis is what sort of changed things for me. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what grade I would have been in. So like, kindergarten's Fifth generally about grade five, is ten right? years old. Yeah, uh, kindergarten's like five or six. Um, so we would have been. We would have been in like first or second grade. Okay, so I would have been in K plus or first grade. Right, right. Because I had you were you were a year behind me. Well, yeah, because I had I lacked social skills or whatever. I don't know what reason they stuck me in there. The only fond memory I have of that was that uh-huh. a girl named Chelsea Brown told on me. So <laughs> she listened to this. Yeah, I know. She's told the teacher that I said a bad word when I didn't, and I got sent to the principal's office. And then some guy, I don't, I think his name's Jared something, put mm-hmm. a hole in the top of my head with uh, one of with his jacket zipper. I like bled everywhere. Whoa! Yeah, Jesus! He didn't do it. That's on purpose. awful. <laughs> right? Yeah, that school kind of sucked. That sounds awful. But anyway, I remember. <laughs> I remember getting. I remember getting kicked full in the nuts by some kid at daycare. 
around this age. Oy. And I was definitely reading Sonic comics at the time because I have um, I was obsessed with the Tales miniseries they came out with. Yeah, I took it everywhere for a while. I had my name written on it and it just fell apart. I don't have them anymore because I read them to death. I literally read the comics until they until they fell apart and absorbed into <laughs> your skin. Now they're with you. And now they're part of you forever. <laughs> Tales is with me forever. That's probably fan fiction. Oh, I bet. Um, He's also Tales mortal. is with me forever. So, I mean. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it works out. Um, so, movies and pop culture at the time of the release of Chrono Trigger. It was a big year. Um, if you're looking at just film, Toy Story came out that year. You had Apollo 13, mm-hmm. uh, 7, which we I still have not seen, but definitely wouldn't have seen at that age. Um, Die Hard with a Vengeance, uh, which is an excellent entry into the uh, series, I think. Um, uh, Goldeneye, Pocahontas, Batman Forever, Jumanji, Casper, Waterworld, and Braveheart. And actually, Waterworld was like in the top 10 grossing movies that year, even though it's such a piece of garbage. It's it's Kevin Costner, man. He brought in the money. He did. Like, people rag on that movie, but it made bank. Like, it made a ton of cash. I don't think it's awful. I have mm-hmm. a copy of it, like right next oh, yeah? to me. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's it's not. I, I awful. It's weird. It's, it is. I weird. think it's a weird movie. It's, yeah. It is weird. I'll give you that. I mean, it's Kevin Costner drinking his own pee. He does that like at the first ten minutes of the video movie. It's a weird situation. That's all I mean, I'm saying. He filters it first, <laughs> unlike Bear Grylls, who just like straight drinks drinks it. Right. At least he puts it through his weird filtration system. It yeah. works out. Yeah. Uh, So some other wild things were happening at the time, though. Um, As far as like, you know, fun things go, the Macarena was at the top of the charts. Windows 95 was in every household. Amazon sold its first book. Uh, So the beginning of that evil empire happened. Um, Frappuccinos were like super popular at the time. They like had just come out with those. Um, eBay debuted this year uh, in history. And uh, Pogs and Beanie Babies were like the big oh, toys. Oh, Pogs, man. Good yeah, times. Yeah, I remember Pogs. Oh, my brother that had stuff like lasted like seven. a hot second. I, yeah, yeah, I, had, true, I, had, I had one tube. I, my, my brother had an entire bucket of them, like a five-gallon, like a like an ice cream canister. Oh, wow, that's about. a lot. It was yeah, a lot, yeah, yeah. yeah. And there were some cool ones, too. He had like a book for the cool ones and all the slammers mm-hmm. and chippers. Chippers? What's a chipper? A chipper I only is, had slammers. Chippers is like, I don't think they were like POG official legal or something. I don't know. Yeah. But they, you just put them, you take your chipper, it's kind of like a coin, and you place it yeah. on the edge of the POG, and then you chip down on it, and it makes, and it flips. So it's like, a, it's like a slammer, but like half the thickness. Oh, well, that's kind of fun. I guess Interesting. So. Yeah. But they were cool. Wow. I remember liking them. <laughs> yeah. That that sounds neat. Uh, I never I never saw those. I had a big slammer and I had like a little pad that looked like it was from, I don't know, some kind of like uh, almost uh, Hawaiian themed. Oh, my yeah. uh, my pad it had like a tiki on it. It was very strange. Oh, that sounds familiar. Is that like a yeah. traditional pogs mat? Maybe I don't know. They they had you had pogs mats though. They existed. This is like the gateway drug eventually to like collectible card games. So true. you know, thanks to that for getting me obsessed with Pokemon and and Yu Gi Oh. I'm sure all started with um, the pogs. Maybe baseball cards if you're like yeah, kind of yeah, probably. Pog, I I like I, I liked baseball cards too. 
Um, I never collected Beanie Babies, so I had like two or three, I think, but I was not huge into the craze. My sister was for a while, but she kind of yeah. got over it pretty quickly because it was like they were yeah. kind of expensive back then for no reason. Yeah, so, definitely. And now they're just everywhere. <laughs> yeah, there, there's too many, too many Beanie Babies. Uh, to, so 1995 call some of those beanie babies it's too many of them oh totally yeah just like get them out of the stores i don't need to see them anymore <laughs> yeah um so there was a lot of great saturday morning cartoons this year too uh the lineup included things like sonic the hedgehog and that is the uh not the adventures of sonic the hedgehog but the serious one so it, around oh, this time yeah. i would have really been getting into that um as well as the comics um, is, is that the one where he's like, if someone tries to touch you or you don't want them to, that's no good. No, that's the that's the one that's more like Looney Tunes. Oh, the one I'm talking about is the one that has Sally Acorn and the Freedom oh, Fighters. Gotcha. And, um, the voice actor who played Pete in uh, Goof Troop plays, um, I think, plays Dr. Robotnik. Oh. He's got like this. I, it, it might it might be a different actor. But it definitely has the same sort of uh, like fun, um, dark energy <laughs> as, as Pete does. He's he's uh, I, I'm you know what? Now that I think of it, I'm almost positive it's a different actor, but it's got that deep quality and that kind of like fat guy quality. Yeah. <laughs> which is why I think I associate them. Um, Reboot also came out this year. Um, well, I don't know if it came out this year, but it was on it was on the lineup. Uh, and Reboot, obviously, is an amazing show. I was obsessed with that as a kid. Um, although I didn't super get into it until it was on Toonami. Uh, I watched a lot of reruns of Reboot. I think I missed out on that one. Oh, you should check it out. It's like one of the first like fully 3D animated shows. It's really excellent. So is, it, is, um, is it as good as Cubics? Better than Cubics, Robots for Everyone. Although oh. I did love the way the donuts looked in Cubics. I always wanted to eat the donuts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um aladdin was uh, out this year ninja turtles spider-man uh animaniacs Ooh. power rangers was running still uh batman and robin which was a continuation of batman the animated series uh just including robin um but same excellent like animation and stuff x-men was running uh new episodes around this time uh where in uh where on earth is carmen san diego the cartoon uh, where on earth is Carmen San Diego? Carmen San Diego. Yeah, I've never seen that either. I mean, what would what would that be about? Just someone chasing Carmen San Diego? Well, she's like a thief, right? So she's yeah. like this international thief, and she steals things. And then there's um, Acme, which is the investigation group that's trying to find her and stop her from stealing stuff. So is she trying to fence it, or is she just like stealing it just to be a, a butt? Uh, you know, she's like, I don't, I don't know what she does with it. She's kind of mysterious. She's like an art thief, you know. But Weird. it's like this globe. It's like this globe trotting show about these kids who are trying to capture this See, this thief. I I just figured that 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 Carmen San Diego, Echo, Carmen, Cosaic and Carmen San Diego, Jose Canseco, Diego, Diego. I always figured wow. it was like an like an educational show or something like that. Well, it kind of is because it talks about different like look. It's like about geography and yeah. uh, culture. Um, yeah. But the first the first Carmen Sandiego show was like a game show, but the cartoon was like just 
like an adventure show with some um, educational aspects, sort of like, um, sort of like, I don't know, Captain Planet. It, it had that same feeling. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah, yeah. It had like a kind of a, an undertone of education. Yeah. Yeah. I think Cap- uh, Captain Planet wasn't so subtle, though. Let's be honest. No. Yeah, absolutely not. Uh, Freakazoid was uh, having new episodes at this time and Earthworm Jim as well. Mm. Yeah. Good old so EJ. a lot of uh, a lot of good cartoons. Oh, yeah. Um, but I would say I would say my suggestion for our cartoon pairing this week is Reboot. Um, if you haven't checked out Reboot before, I would highly suggest it. Uh, normally, I would suggest Sonic the Hedgehog. But it's, again, it's right next to a show that's just um, it was revolutionary for the time. And it's in our intro. The part that says warning incoming game. That's from Reboot. Oh, yeah. So in the show, there would be these huge like purple cubes that would come down and like hit part of like the mainframe because the whole the whole show takes place in a computer. Right. Yeah. So whenever the user of the computer inputs a video game, this huge purple cube would come out of the sky. And if you got under the cube, you were like an NPC in the game. Oh, right. And you would basically the characters would try to have to beat the user in order to continue to live. Otherwise, they would get deleted if they lost. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Weird. So it's real, real high stakes. Um, so, yeah, it's a it's a really cool show. I, I think we should watch it sometime. Maybe we could do like a bonus episode on it at some point. Oh, yeah. Uh, sort Definitely. of Saturday morning I, showdown style. I do want to some some Saturn recalls, some Saturn, re, you know, reboot. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, um, so, oh, go ahead. I was going to say something, but I completely forgot what it was. It's fine. Well, that's fine. It happened. Well, 1995 was also a pretty big year in gaming, although, um, not as huge as some of the other, uh, years we've looked at. It is an excellent year. Uh, so for software, we got bust a move, otherwise known as puzzle bobble, which is to me inferior to its. Um, platforming counterpart Bubble Bobble. I'm a, I'm a bigger fan of Bubble Bobble than Puzzle Bobble. Oh, yeah. Um, but Bust a Move came out on the Super Nintendo. Uh, Star Wars Dark Forces came out for DOS, which would eventually launch launch the famous and well-loved Jedi Knight series, um, mm. which I got really into in college. Um, Ristar uh, came out uh, this year on Sega Genesis, oh, which... Yes. People slept on because uh, it was near the end of the life of the Sega Genesis. They were coming out with the um, Sega Saturn at this time. So um, sort of a swan song. It's an excellent game, but not a lot it of people is. played it. Yeah, I think it was it was like an underrated game. I think it should have been. It's, it's great. Oh, for sure. It's it's well worth getting um, one of the numerous uh, collections that Sega has done for the game uh, in order to uh, get Ristar for yeah. sure. So we've got a couple of the notable games this year. Um, just a few. We've got Panzer Dragoon, Dragoon, Kirby's Dream Land 2 for the Game Boy, Mega Man 7 for the Super Nintendo. So Mega Man had fully left the NES at this point. And um, briefly stopped on Super Nintendo before thinking, hey, you know what? Mega Man ain't working anymore. Yeah, why not? Why not? Uh, Earthbound, Castlevania, Dracula X. Uh, Mech Warrior 2 for DOS, Yoshi's Island, Comic Zone, Tactics Ogre, Rayman, Star Wars, TIE Fighter for DOS, Time Crisis, and the Arcades, Twisted Metal, Diddy's Conquest, Fantasy Star 4, Mega Man X3, Dragon Quest 6 in Japan, and Final Fight 3. That's so a pretty, pretty good, good lineup. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Pe- it's it's not a bad lineup. People were spoiled for choice. 
Yeah, I actually just bought Ogre Battle last week. Oh, yeah? Well, not Ogre Battle. This was Tactics Ogre. Oh, okay. On the Super Nintendo? Or is that on? I believe so. I believe so. The one? Yeah. I thought it was Ogre Battle. Let's Clean Together. Or March the Black Queen. That's what it is. Yeah, I bought it. Okay. Well, that's interesting. But anyway, um, if you hear if you hear like tappity tappities in the background, it's our dogs. It's uh, puppers. But, you know, it's the, chrono, the life. It's the chrono pups. It's the chrono dogs. Oh man, they are so loud and annoying. Okay, um, so for hardware, we have the Play It Loud color versions of the Game Boy. We had the Satellaview uh, come out in Japan, um, which had some exclusive games like BS Legend of Zelda. Uh, the Virtual Boy came out in July and was discontinued the same year in December. That doesn't surprise me. Which is, I think that's pretty wild to hear that it was discontinued the same year because the NES was discontinued that same year as well. Yeah. Like, they didn't even give it a, a whole year. They were just like, nope, done. Well, I mean, it was causing, like, chronic headache problems, and we're just like, we're going to pull this thing out before we start getting sued. Yeah. So, uh, you know, explain to me. Explains why it's so rare. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, a little known console called the PS1 came out. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, you ever heard of that? It's got some yeah. like uh, got some pretty good games on it. It's a gray thing on it. I'm actually thinking yeah. about starting a uh, Final Fantasy VII playthrough on my actual PS1 pretty oh, soon. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling Final Fantasy-esque right now. I don't know what it is. This is a good uh, game from what I've heard. I've never played VII, yeah. but I'm sure it's good. We should play I've heard it for a few the show people some say point. some good things about it. Just yeah, you know, people. people have. Uh, yeah, Final Fantasy, like you know, I'm, some people know about it. You know, it's just you know, it's kind of underground. You know, it's you know, you cult know, classic. Kind of, so. Yeah, cult classic. <laughs> um, so let's go on to the game history here, um, because there's like six pages of notes. This game is a monster in terms of research. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff that I'm going to be talking about. Um, we're going to be posting links as usual to the historical documents and things that I've looked through uh, to find all this information. But a big thanks once again to retromags.com uh, for uh, putting out those, you know, classic magazines. Uh, I was able to find stuff in Nintendo power for this episode, uh, as well as Schmupulations, which I'm a patron to, on Patreon, um, they do translations of these Japanese developer interviews. So there's a really great developer interview from 1995 uh, for Chrono Trigger. Um, and uh, there are several other links that I use to get a lot of this information, which I will post in the show notes, like I said, and on Twitter uh, so that you guys can, you know, do do some research yourself as well. Because it's, like I said, it's a bear. Uh, and there's a lot of information and people that we're not going to be even talking about because there's just so much to cover um so but let's uh, let's get started here um chrono trigger started out like many games as an offhanded idea that was thrown around among you know some developers you know a lot of games start off as like these passion projects so you'll see like things like um them making uh, links awakening in their free time that sort of thing yeah uh but this this time the <laughs> idea was being thrown around by some proven and legendary developers in you know, some of maybe the most of uh, legendary developers of their time. Uh, so you have this sort of dream team of people uh, working on the game. 
One of these uh, is uh, one of several directors on the game, uh, Takashi Tokita, who joined Square in 1985. He had previously worked on Final Fantasy IV as lead designer, and that game convinced him to become a great creator of video games uh, instead of um, working on some of the other stuff he had uh, uh, been focused on. Uh, he's like, I want to, I want to make great games, you know. And that be- and that became his mission uh, because of Final Fantasy IV. Uh, you also have Yoshinori Kitase, who had a director credit. Um, he was heavily influenced by Star Wars at age 11 when the film came out, and that started on him uh, started him on his journey into studying screenwriting and filmmaking. Um, he played Final Fantasy for the first time and was convinced that gaming had potential with regard to animation and storytelling, uh, which I think comes through in Chrono Trigger in in a really big way. Um, the like focus on storytelling, when you say. Yeah, oh, definitely. I mean, it's like one of the first games where uh, that I played where I was like, oh, my gosh, games are a storytelling medium. I didn't and, have those exact words, but it like changed everything for me. Yeah, this was the this was the birth of like, you know, grander RPGs, you know, beyond the go save, like go save the princess or kill the bad guy. This was when stories started to get more complex and more. Uh, yeah, more interesting. So for sure. Um, so fast uh, potential. Uh, Totally. And he uh, had no software programming skills, but despite that, he applied to Square and was hired in 1990. And he built experience working as an event scripter, uh, which he compared to directing film actors, but for games. And an event scripter basically is like, um, you know, all of the little, you know, cutscenes that you quote unquote cutscenes that you get in Chrono Trigger where characters doing things or reacting to things in certain ways. He sort of built those. Hmm. Um. And the final so, director on the credits. Uh, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, I haven't played the Super Nintendo version. I don't know if we need to clarify this, but like, or if we haven't already before, but he's playing on the Super Nintendo. I'm playing the DS. There's some cutscenes at the beginning and kind of throughout the game. Are those in right. Super Nintendo? They're not. So okay. that's that's actually that's actually a really good point. We should talk about our gear uh, before I get too far into the development history. Uh, so I'm using the original Super Nintendo with the original cartridge, and I'm playing on a CRT. And by the way, you got to get down here and hang out and play on this CRT. Excuse me. <laughs> uh, play on this friggin' CRT. <laughs> Woo! We're going to have to bleep that out. Oh, man. Um, you get really excited about CRTs, man. <laughs> I do. But Oof. you, you got you to gotta get down here and play it. Like, it is gorgeous. It's so fun to play on. It's so fun to play old games on it. I mean, it's like everything you remember it being when you were a kid. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, Bring over it's some like the secret of mana. Maybe some. Oh, yeah, dude. It would be you, EB game. You have, EB game. you have to do it. EB um, games. Okay, but you're playing on the uh, DS, correct? Yes, I'm playing on the DS on my 3DS, actually. Because Right, yeah. But you're playing the DS version. Yeah. So the, the cool thing about this, and we'll, we'll get more into the different versions, but um, those cutscenes come from the PS1 version. Really? Yeah, so Chrono Trigger was part of a um, the anthology uh, compilations. Yeah, it was an anthology of yeah, other, that's other games. Right. Well, it was really only two. It was that, and I think I Final can't Fantasy remember what game. Four, it came I think, is what it was. Or is it Final okay. Fantasy Tactics? I have it. I just don't know where I put it. But I talked to the guy who sold it. So if you're looking mm-hmm. at maybe picking this up, uh, any platform b- might as well. I'm gonna recommend DS over the. Uh, uh, PlayStation one, because apparently the load times are really bad. 
on the PS1. Yeah, the load the load times are awful in the PS1 version, and the DS version has a more faithful translation of the dialogue, which I actually am not super fond of. I, I think it's great, but the original translation just has a special place in my heart. Um, and it also has an extra um, boss. Like there's like a secret boss in the DS version that you can get to that um, you can't get on SNES or, SNES or PS1. Oh, yeah. And I would say uh, the well, DS version is the, is the definitive way to play the game. Yeah, I mean, I, I would like to play it on the original hardware, but I don't have a hundred some odd dollars to shell out for the game. So, yeah, I'm lucky I got it when it was like 60. Yeah, <laughs> it was very worth it. And I'm glad it's one of the first games that I bought. Um, totes jelly totes jelly like when i was really starting to get my um my collection together i'm really glad i started there uh because it's just you know it's my favorite favorite game you know um okay so um the final director on the credits list uh joined up about halfway through the development um and he uh brought his previous experience on FF four and five, as well as romancing saga, which uh, romancing saga two as a battle planner. And you know what? His name is uh, escaping me right now, but he's not one of the huge. Um, he's not one of the huge names as far as I remember. Um, a lot of it's sort of <laughs> uh, mixing together for me. Cause like I said, there's a ton of a uh, ton of info to get through here. Oh yeah. Um, okay. So design supervisor Hironobu Sakaguchi was the creator of the final fantasy series. So of course he was on the team as well. Uh, Sakaguchi was born in Hitachi, Ibaraki, Japan in 1962. He went on to study electrical engineering at Yokohama National University, but dropped out in 1983. Uh, he was studying programming, and that sparked a desire in him to get an Apple to, pro, uh, to program software with. Uh, but instead, he went to, um, I think it's the Akihabara district, and bought a knockoff instead. Oh, yeah. Um, which still ended up being expensive, so he all he was broke and didn't have money for software to put on the computer. Um, so he's like, "I gotta get a job." Uh, so he uh, he became a part time employee um, at, at Square, which at the time was a brand new branch of the Danusha Electric Company. Hmm. Um, so this was a part time job he got, so he could get money to buy programs to put on his computer <laughs> that sounds like a that sounds like a lot of uh people's first jobs right like i'm just getting a job yeah. so i can buy like the newest ga- newest game console <laughs> people are still doing that yeah today. it's true it's true um so square became an independent company in 1986 and sakaguchi went full-time as the director of planning and development at that point as the legend goes, after a series of failures on the NES, he began to question his choice to pursue software development as a career. So he pitched the concept for Final Fantasy, thinking it would be his final game. So it was like the final oh, fantasy. This is his final yeah. fantasy for a game. I, yes. Is, is that exactly. where it started? Yes. Like That's it's crazy. his final. It was like his final try at, at achieving his dream. And it worked. And his 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 his, his like his idea became his child and this child has grown up. I bet she's proud. Oh, totally. It's, it's, he, it's 15 he, years like old. He's, now. He started, <laughs> a, a, I mean, he, he really started a huge, um, like sea change in RPGs. Yeah. That and dragon quest, like changed the world. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, he birthed probably one of the most beloved RPG series to date. Yeah. It's incredible. Uh, but then you've also got Yuji Hori, the creator of, Dra- of Dragon Quest, and he's brought in as a writer and supervisor. 
Uh, He studied at Waseda University in the Department of Literature, but also did freelance writing for newspapers, comics, and magazines. Um, And this is where he sort of brings in his experience as a writer and also some of the problems that the other developers had with him because he would like he would write things and not have any mind toward memory limitations. So, oh, yeah, I mean, he's not there was, a software there was some person, friction so there. No, yeah. yeah. Uh, but he also did do some programming. He entered an Enix sponsored game programming contest with a game called Love Match Tennis and ended up placing. Um, that gave him the confidence to become a video game designer. Huh. Hori also created a game called Portopia Serial Murder Case which was a game that ended up inspiring Hideo, uh, Hideo Kojima to start developing games as well. Wow, that's so cool. Like, so you can see like the huge impact these people are having on the game industry. Like, isn't that crazy? Yeah. That's There's nuts. just all these little connections. Um, so finally, he created Dragon Quest, uh, which was inspired by games like Wizardry and Ultima. Uh, Wizardry is a game that actually had one of the first menu input battle systems with graphical enemy portraits. Um, so the system that's in Dragon Quest, uh, where the portrait of the enemy comes up and you you choose like inputs from a menu and things, that comes from Wizardry. Hmm. So uh, US RPGs influenced JRPGs, which in turn influenced US RPGs. Yeah. <laughs> it was like this huge circle. Huh. <laughs> it's the circle of uh, RPG. Yeah, it's kind of wild. Then, um, and then so, you become the gra- and then the games become the grass, and then the new the, generation the, eats the grass, and then they make another game. All part of the circle of life, and then the they poop out the circle grass. of RPG. And then, <laughs> um, oh, uh, I think Wizardry also had some influence on the Elder Scrolls series, if I'm not mistaken. I can't remember exactly what the connection is, but I could believe. Um, I don't know, like Elder Scrolls. Started out with a rain end, didn't it? I don't know. I, I, yeah, it's first person. But it's, well, Wizardry was D and D based, right? Oh, well, I, can I, I don't know. If, I don't know. I don't know if this is exactly D and D based, but Elder Scrolls is D and D based, and Wizardry, I think, has that sort of influence of like dice rolls and things like that. Yeah, yeah. I can see that influencing Arena then. Yeah. Um, so Chrono Trigger is also known for its incredible soundtrack. Uh, and the soundtrack wouldn't be what it is without Yasunori Mitsuda and Nobuo Matsu. Uh, so uh, Mitsuda was born in Tokuyama Yamaguchi, Japan in 1972 and began composing music for his own video games during high school. Uh, so he had been doing this for a while when he started. And he yeah. went to Junior College of Music in Tokyo after that. Uh, he joined Square in 1992 after graduating. Uh, when he saw a magazine advertisement in an office that he visited with his professor. Uh, he mostly worked on sound effects as a sound engineer on several games like Final Fantasy V, Secret of Mana, and others. Uh, he was, his title was composer, but he wasn't really composing music. Um, and he started to feel like he'd have to take drastic action to finally get a chance to compose on a video game. So he goes to the lead, uh, the head of Square, and threatens to quit. And they assigned him to, to work on Chrono Trigger. <laughs> and I think it paid <laughs> off. Jeez. Uh, yeah. He ended up working himself so hard that he developed stomach ulcers. And that's when Nobu Umamatsu, who created the music for the Final Fantasy series, had to take over. And oh, I, yeah. I cannot say his name correctly. Nobuo Uematsu, I'm pretty sure. Nobuo Uematsu. So Uematsu? yeah, he took he took over for. Is, is there like specific tracks that each guy did? I I don't think there's any information about who did exactly what, but I'm pretty sure um, uh, Mitsuda 
did most of the compositions. Like his influence is in the game and Umatsu sort of took over and finished it up. Gotcha. Yeah. But I wouldn't be surprised if there are some tracks where, I, where I'm like, oh, that sounds more like a Final Fantasy thing, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, I never really thought about it that way. But knowing that, I probably probably listen a little bit harder. Yeah, for real. Uh, I think when I go back and play again, I'm going to start listening and be like, huh, I wonder I wonder which one belongs to who, you know? Yeah. Uh, so finally, Chrono Trigger would not be what it is without the art of the legendary Akira Toriyama. Uh Toriyama was born in 1995 in Nagoya, Japan, first rising to popularity with the manga Dr. Slump. He also created a little thing you might not have heard of. I don't know. It's called Dragon Ball. It's kind of like this underground deal. Um, So Dragon Ball. and Is that like a disease? No, it's it's not something that happens to your balls. It's like uh, it's about a guy named Goku and like he's really powerful and he says Kamehameha. Oh, you mean like One Punch Man? He's One Punch Man? And he beat. Yeah, he's basically One Punch Man. They ripped off One Punch Man. Yeah, um, <laughs> they ripped it off. They ripped it off twenty yeah. years before it was invented. I don't know how you did it, but it's yeah. definitely a rip off. Uh, and the, he also did the art and character design for the Dragon Quest games, um, which was one big thing that really drew me to this game when I first played it. I was like, oh, "It looks like Dragon Ball. It looks like Dragon Ball Z," and I, I immediately connected with it because of that. Yeah. I had that knowledge of of the game because I didn't play this in 1995. Um, I know the first time you've played it is on your DS right now. The first um, time, well, I mean, I got it earlier and started playing it, but I didn't get very far. And then I started mm-hmm. picking it back up. Right. But like uh, this game, well, mostly it's Dragon Quest eight is the probably the first uh, time I actually dealt with any of his work. And like mm-hmm. that, I mean, I immediately fell in love with it. So like seeing, yeah. I really like that art style, and then getting to see it on Chrono Trigger, and just how well it works, it's just awesome. Yeah, yeah, Chrono Trigger, like the art style is so perfect for it. It's got this cuteness without being too serious. Um, it's one of my favorite art styles. I, it's just so inviting and and fun, you know. And I I think Toriyama's character designs really contribute to that, and they really come across in the sprites in a way that you wouldn't expect. Oh yeah. Um. Like, oh, uh, by the way, little little thing about the the sprite design. Um, Ayla's, uh, I read in the developer inter- interview that <laughs> Ayla's, Ayla's boobs used to have like more bounce. Apparently, like they were, like they were, they were putting in like boob physics in, in a uh, <laughs> in boob a, physics back in 1995. Eat yeah, your dude. heart out, dead or alive, beach volleyball. It's been done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so we got some, uh, we're going to go into the development here. Um, we've talked enough, we, uh, you know, about all the people who are involved with the, uh, with the game. I could talk for years because uh, there, yeah. there are a bunch of other talented people who worked on the game. As and it's well. super cool to like see this, all these people that came together and made this game and that have influenced other people. It's like, we're witnessing mm-hmm. the rise of retro gaming that it is today, like starting then, you know? Yeah, exactly. Part of that part of that blossoming effect that created all these awesome games that we have today. That's just really cool. Yeah. And you know, this this game was like an RPG Swan Song for the SNES, but Swan Song I feel like does a disservice to what this game meant for RPGs. Um like people were calling this revolutionary when it came out. And yeah. most most games that are like, you know, let's use all the the capabilities of the of the system like Kirby uh, for the NES or um, 
uh, like Ristar for uh, for Sega Genesis. Link's right? Awakening Ristar, for Game Boy Color it was actually kind of a test too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Those things aren't necessarily revolutionary. They are. They take everything that's come before and perfect it. Okay. Right. Chrono Trigger does that. Chrono Trigger takes everything that came before in that genre and perfects it, but it also revolutionizes it and does new things. Um, and a big reason for that is the game was developed concurrently with Final Fantasy VI. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I could definitely tell. Yeah. That makes they were sense. Made at the, they were made at the same time. So they, you know, they're both doing different things to, um, you know, push the genre forward. Yeah. But they were not talking to each other. And they, they were kind of, but in certain ways, like they weren't. Chrono Trigger took See, two and a half years to develop. And um, Final Fantasy VI was started and ended during that de- development time. Yeah. I See, I was funny because I was playing through the game and I, and, and I sort of in my notes, I wrote down like the graphics kind of had that Final Fantasy VI kind of feel just without even thinking right. about it. And I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense because they were being made at the same time. That's interesting. Right. Yeah. They, they like, they're not in terms of gameplay, gameplay mechanics. They're not talking to each other, but they're made by, you know, similar people. So of course their aesthetics are, are very similar, but there's some big changes too, because what they did was they tried to take the monsters and the, and the, and the characters. And you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to get to this later, but there was a playfulness that they wanted to put in the game. And I think that comes through. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I'm kind of jumping out all over in my notes here, but um, uh, Chrono Trigger was uh, originally going to be developed for a CD-ROM system, uh, which influenced the choice to use time travel. The map would change whenever you changed an era. So, you know, you would assume that that would take up a lot more space because you're making different assets for each map. You're like having a full-size world map for a game, but nine times, you know? Uh, or not, not exactly nine times. There's like nine different time periods you can go to, but... There's, I can't remember. There's like the, um, the future. Uh, there's the Earthbound times, like in the past, like yeah, the Kingdom of Zeal. There's twelve thousand um, BC. That's the Kingdom of Zeal times. Yeah. There's twenty three hundred AD. That's the future. And there's a thousand AD. That's the, uh, yeah. That's the um, the current time. And then you have right. uh, six hundred million BC, which is the mm-hmm. Ayla times back in the dinosaur lands. Yeah. And there's 680, which is the monster fight. Right. It is, but essentially all of those have different tile sets to a certain yeah. extent. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's a lot of space. So I, you know, of course that seems like it would influence the choice a little bit. Yeah. You know? Um, so they realized as they were making it, if they made it for CD-ROM, they might never get finished because they just kept coming up with ideas and they had too much room and too much leeway. So they decided to go with the SNES because they were more familiar with the system and it would give them some limitations to work with that would help them sort of narrow down what to do on the game. Um, By the time it came out, uh, by the time they switched to SNES, a lot of the character animation had already been done. Um, So the stuff they had made was extremely detailed. Um, And I was not able to find any pictures of that stuff, but I would love to see what some of this stuff looked like uh, on a CD-ROM version. Oh, yeah, no kidding. It's pretty incredible. I mean, it did eventually uh, come out on CD-ROM, but that's is that the one that they ported to the PS One? Is that a, is that the CD-ROM version they were working on, or is that like just no, a no? Version? That's just a that's just a ported version okay. with um with, with cutscenes cut added. Gotcha. You know? And that you know, I had the um, 
the first game I, I the first version of it I actually owned was the PS one version, and I just fell in love with the cutscenes. They're so yeah. good. Um, but uh, development um, for the game had about fifty people working on it, as compared to Final Fantasy IV's like twelve people. If I'm not mistaken, there was like twelve people working on that game. Uh, wow. So this was a huge this was a huge step up. Um, they're taking it really seriously. There's a bunch of gaming rock stars on board, uh, but about half the team uh, was working on their first game ever. Uh, so you have a pretty good mix of like new people and, and old uh, veterans. Um, development took around two and a half years. It started right after Final Fantasy V. Um, Final Fantasy VI uh, was completed during the development of Chrono Trigger, like I said before. Um, the inclusion of so many big names, Yuji uh, Horii, particularly the big three, Yuji Horii, um, creator of Dragon Quest, Kira Tor- Toriyama, uh, creator of Dragon Ball Z, and Hironobu Sakaguchi, creator of um, Final Fantasy. Uh, it made the development take a really long time because uh, they had all of these ideas. So they just spent an entire year just talking things over and having a lot of meetings. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they, uh, they talk about this in the interview that like, you know, that never happened at Square before. Like they just they didn't do that. Um, so they really wanted to bash out, you know, the skeleton of the game and figure out like, what what are we doing here? What is this going to be? Um Katase also says that Toriyama's work in the world gave him a lot of ideas for, you know, different situations and things that they could include. Um, so he, but he only drew characters from the front. Uh, so in creating sprites, they had to guess what they looked like, like from behind because he would never draw characters from behind. <laughs> <laughs> One dimensional, I guess. Um, yeah, you know. Um, Yuji Horia was apparently extremely exacting about the dialogue. Uh, like I said, he ignored memory limitations when writing stuff. So that became a real sticking point in creating dialogue in English, uh, during the localization process. Um, the translator's name was Ted Wolseley, who had uh, worked on localizing some Final Fantasy games, um, including Final Fantasy VI. Mm-hmm. Um, he sometimes had to rethink entire plots without changing how that plot had an effect on the game because the translated English text is more clunky and takes up way more space than Japanese characters. Yeah. Um, that'd be a problem they'd run into. Yeah. So there's certain things in there that like play out differently in the uh, Japanese version. Um, and you may have, you know, with the uh, English translation you have, it may be a lot closer, uh, but the SNES one, certain things are just completely different. Um, but they don't they affect the game in the same way. Basically, what his task was like, I have to find out how to make this work in English and we don't have enough space to do the thing they're actually doing. Um, so but it would have to like have the same effect on the on the story as the real version. Um, some examples of this. Um, I don't have any examples of the big changes, but uh, Frog uh, does not. Um, in your game, Frog speaks in like a normal way, right? Yeah. Kind of, yeah. He says ribbit, I mean. Right, but he speaks like a, a human being, right? right? So they have more room in the uh, in the DS port because they you know, weren't working with the uh, limit, same limitations. Um, yeah. In the SNES version, Frog speaks in this weird Shakespearean accent. He's saying, constantly saying like thee and thou oh, and I've stuff. Oh, heard of that, yeah. Yeah, um, and it's very strange because nobody else in 600 AD speaks like that. He speaks much more plainly in Japanese. Um, you also get some interesting like word choices, like blockhead and, and and weird things, because the translation just had to be more spare. It had to be like a lot shorter. So there's things that would take like two or three sentences in Japanese, 
that in English it's like we have like space enough for one English sentence. Oh so yeah. We really have to we really have to break this down a lot. Um so these translation issues also present themselves in fun Easter egg sort of ways too. So Gatto the robot, do you know why he's called Gatto? Because he's a cat. He's not. A, he, he does have <laughs> spikes on his head. He does have yeah. spikes on his head that kind of look like cat ears if you're squinting the right way. Um, so Gato, the robot, in the very beginning of the game, when you're at the Millennial Fair, he's a robot you can fight for experience and silver points to spend and in the fairs. Fifteen silver games points. Yeah. yeah. My name is Gato. I have I metal joints. Meat beat me up and earned 15 silver points. Yeah. Oh, um, we're going to get copyrighted again. Uh, yeah, Darn copyright it. strike. Uh, so, other than the spikes on his head, um, the character's name uh, was a totally different in, Jap- in Japanese, uh, but the name in American, I think, fits better because of the ears. So, uh, in Japanese, the name of that character is Gonzalez. Oh, okay. Isn't that weird? That is a little weird. So here's here's the reason. Um, and it's so convoluted and strange. The, uh, he is named after a boxer called Gato Gonzalez, a Japanese boxer. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. And he famously lost a huge boxing match to a man named Guts Ishimatsu in 1974. Gato Gonzalez was a household name because of this loss. Interesting. For what for whatever reason. What? And Guts Ishimatsu at the end. Sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, wouldn't it be funny if like the song that he sang at the beginning of his like, you know, when you run into him was like the song that that Gonzalez walked down to to a match or something? Oh, that'd be cool. I don't think it is, but like he he lost though. That's the funny thing. Yeah. And here's 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 the other thing. The victory pose he does at the end where he thrusts his hand into the air. Yeah. Right? Like if you um uh if you come up and, and see him when he's first like when you first come into the room, he's like thrusting his fists in the air. That is called a guts pose. And that is named after this match because when Guts Ishimatsu won, he thrust his fists up into the air and did a little dance, right? That victory pose has become known as the Guts pose. It has a holiday in Japan and pretty much every celebration animation you see in a video game is called the Guts pose. Interesting. Wow. I have no idea. Yeah. It's like boxing played like a huge role (laughs) like in games randomly. That's so strange. Yeah. It's called a guts pose. So every every like celebration pose you see in Smash Brothers, for example, those are guts poses. Interesting. So like the pose, like I guess victory mm-hmm. poses in Japan are just called guts poses. Yeah. That's crazy. Exactly. Huh. Because of a 1974 boxing match. But he's named after the loser. He's not named after guts. Yeah, I know. But anyway, but, I mean, it's, maybe it's, it's, it's weird. It's supposed to be ironic because you can easily take him out. Maybe it, maybe that's the that's the that's the poke in the ribs oh, maybe. or something. Like he's yeah. actually not that tough. Well, that's that's also why he has the boxing glove uh, attack. And he's also like uh, kind of a punching bag. Mm-hmm. So maybe yeah, that's why. Like maybe they're just <laughs> poking fun at him. Or you know. yeah, it's possible. I don't know. Uh, but Gato, he was named Gato because that was the first name, and it took up less space, so that they were able to fit it in. Interesting. That makes sense. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the monster design in the game. Uh, this was inspired in general by a sense of playfulness that they wanted to imbue in the game. 
So the monsters kind of look cuter in contrast to the more serious designs of Final Fantasy. Um, despite the serious story, they wanted to have the spirit of playfulness that they felt was like pin up and and forced down in Final Fantasy games. Uh, so we're trying to make it fun. And I think that, yeah. again, I think it comes through really well. Yeah, there's some bosses that I'm th- I can think back on that that kind of goes through, like the dragon tanky fight. On yeah. the, the top. that one's really kind of goofy, and and the giant skeleton one, like I think he looks mm-hmm. really cool. I don't know about goofy, but like the go- the golem it, sisters or the golems in general, they they look yeah. kind of they look kind of spooky. Same thing with with that giant right. guy you fight on Mount Woe. That I mean, that's but, super intricate, but they're all smiling. They're, so, mm-hmm. but their design has this more like cartoonish look, even if it's not even if it's not um, goofy there's still a, a more cartoonish and fun look to it, even when they are very serious. Whereas like you see enemies, like, I, I mean, look at Kafka in final fantasy six, like some, uh, some of the enemies, like the wolves and stuff, they all look terrifying in final fantasy. Yeah. You know, they're extremely serious looking. Uh, so there's a, there is a kind of a, you know, a big difference there and some more, um, you know, detailed animation as well. Um, so, Okay. Uh, at one point in development, the files of the game became completely unreadable and brought development to a halt. They had sort of a toy, toy Story 2 moment where they thought they had lost everything. Um, they were saved all with a timestamp, and somehow the date had changed to 1960, and the computer could no longer read them. Huh. So uh, Aoki said that I, I, they have no idea, but um, one of the workers on the project said the computer must have known that it was a Chrono Trigger project and decided to do a little time traveling of its own. <laughs> I like that explanation. They had a good attitude about it. Yeah. yeah. It's not industrial <laughs> espionage. It's yeah, definitely the not. Just decided, you got inspired through the, through the story and decided yeah. to do some time traveling of its own and realized, oh. Oh, I don't exist yet. I don't know how to do any of this. So one final little detail about development. Uh, the game has a secret connection to Secret of Mana. Uh, so Hiromichi T- uh, Tanaka, um, producer of Secret of Mana, was quoted in an interview as saying this. After we finished Final Fantasy 3, we started Final Fantasy 4 with the idea of a slightly more action-based dynamic overworld rather than keeping combat as a completely separate thing. But at some point, it wound up not being Final Fantasy 4 anymore. Instead, it was eventually released as Seiken Densetsu 2, Secret of Mana. But during development, it was actually referred to as Chrono Trigger. At the time, just after Final Fantasy III, we were working with Mr. Toriyama on a game with a seamless side view system. A CD-ROM attachment for the Super Famicom was scheduled to be released, so we had this enormous game planned out for the CD-ROM attachment, but ultimately we were never able to release it. So we had the Chrono Trigger project changed to a new game, and this other game we had been working on was condensed down into Psych and Densetsu 2. That's super... Like, again, I went through the game and I was like... I I make Mm -hmm. comparisons to Secret of Mana. So, like, in my notes. So that's just... That's weird that I happened to note that. Uh, Yeah. That's awesome. I can't wait to talk about it. Uh, you know, like I can't wait to see what what thoughts you had about it in the next episode. Yeah. That's going to be really fun. Um, I also feel like it. There, there's some definite like when I played uh, Secret of Mana 2, I was like, oh, this kind of has like some Chrono Trigger feelings, even like the main character. He's got like a headband and red spiky hair. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Secret of Mana. Yeah. 
they're very similar characters in terms of design. Yeah, I, I like I said, I, like having played through Chrono Trigger and like, thinking back on Secret of Mana, I could definitely see some some twins. It's not to mention like the like complex battle system and all like the cool animated animations and the attacks and stuff like that. Yeah, like I could see, yeah, uh, I could see some influence being pulled over which way. Right, it could be related. Well, we'll have to do uh, Secret of Mana as well for the show oh, at yeah. some point. No doubt, man. That'll that'll be fun. Uh, so the game was released uh, to pretty much universal critical, um, you know, uh, critical widely received as being like a masterpiece. Like it was, it critical had uh, rave, yeah, critical acclaim. That's what I was yeah. looking for. Um, Story it, it was Jerry Brockhammer. It was a huge release. Like people people loved it. You know, I mean, for an RPG at the time, it did it did very well. Um, it didn't have many advertisements. You have uh, one Japanese ad that's pretty weird, um, and I'll post that in our our Twitter. But I can't even really explain what it is. Yeah, but I mean that's uh, that's that's a Japanese thing. Yeah, I mean it's just it looks pretty standard, but it, like it's so standard that it's hard to explain what's happening. It's like transitions and scenes from the games and somebody saying like, dig this new game. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very strange. Just use dig one it. word game. Yeah. <laughs> Play. Yeah. It, like one of the slides just goes new game. <laughs> it was really, really strange. It seems like they're just um, like, Oh, we got the game done. We got to make a commercial, but we only have like a day. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hear, hear me out hear me out commercial new right? game scenes, new game scenes we say uh new game new game and then you know they'll it's know it's a new game yeah you know and they'll, and they'll yeah. buy it up and like all right now let's do that that sounds good yeah that works could you add could you add the words dig it in the beginning uh if we have time and then <laughs> okay they, they had time they they totally had time uh, so it also had some uh, it had some magazine appearances. It appeared in two straight issues of, of um, uh, Nintendo Power. Um, they called One these epic issue reviews. Wasn't enough power. No, not enough power. And, and they offered a lot of information. Like it was really spoilery. Actually, I went through it like after I played. Um, it had this huge spread, like several several pages um, that they called epic reviews. It revealed some secrets. Uh, for example, like using the opposite pad of the teleporter machine uh, that Luca creates. If you use the if you use the opposite pad to teleport, it'll send you straight to Lavos at the very beginning of the game. Oh, yeah. Oops. What's the point <laughs> of that? <laughs> oh, oh crap! This game's too hard. Well, I'm playing it. <laughs> you, you can uh, you can get a um, secret ending if you do that. Which Do, I will you, talk about next episode. Can you can you uh, can you beat him? There are people who have done it. Yeah, like Chrono Trigger has this really great um, fan community, and people like have tons of challenges that they give themselves. There's an item in the game where you can. Um, they did a lot to sort of let players control the experience. So you have the um, item in the game. I think it's called the wallet, uh, where if you fight enemies, you get gold instead of experience. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're so, talking about. I so have people, yeah, people will keep themselves at a purposefully low level to make the game more strategic, and um, it makes it really hard. But I, I see people talking all the time about different types of runs that they're doing in Chrono Trigger, just playing it over and over and over again in different ways. Um, 
And because the game has so much player choice, it leads to a lot of that sort of thing. Um, it's it's lesser known, I think, for that than something like Metroid, uh, Super Metroid. But it has that same sort of community that's like, what can we do to make this game harder? Um, that, uh, or what can we do to like speed run this game or, or find ways to break it or do things in different orders that uh, Super Metroid has? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, so the Nintendo uh, Power Spread also has some misspellings that are kind of fun. It has like like all kinds of walkthroughs and stuff. It's got a walkthrough of the first like couple dungeons and bosses. Um, but uh, the Bongor Dome instead of the Bangor Dome <laughs> in the future. Bongo Bongo Dome. It's, it's very strange. Some of the, the some boss of the ways from Ocarina they... of Time had his own dome. Yeah. Um, there, there was not a lot of merchandise that I could find in America. Um I, I didn't. I don't think this game was very merch heavy. Did which, it sell well in America? I, I think it did. You know, I I I got the sense that it did, but I never actually got that fact. Hmm. Never got that factoid. Uh, but it sold like gangbusters in Japan. I bet like, people, you know, were extremely on board uh, for Chrono Trigger. But like I said, it it had like very wide critical acclaim uh, in America when it came out. So, you know, I think, I think it did well. I'm just not positive. I I wasn't able to find um, uh, too many like specific sales figures, but I may just not have looked hard enough. Yeah. I mean, uh, I know it came out around the same time Final Fantasy six did, but I don't know when it got shipped over to the U S about the same time or so something it came it came out i think a year later in america oh okay so yeah so well no not sorry sorry not a year later it came out in march uh, in japan and august in america okay so it was about the same time i don't know maybe one of them got overshadowed over the other maybe that's why i never heard about it because i remember back then i knew about final fantasy but i didn't know about chrono trigger like i knew nothing about it so yeah yeah, it. I I can't. I'm not finding sales figures for America, but it sold um, 2.36 million copies in Japan. That's oh, good. sorry, 200 two abroad. So it sold 290,000 copies everywhere else. Oh. So it may not have sold quite as well in America. But then, yeah, like you said too, it was that it's during it was during the you know the last tides of Super Nintendo. So that might have had something to do with it. That and it also is in a genre that people still weren't super sold on. Like people loved Final Fantasy VI and they loved Chrono Trigger, but um, it was still a niche market in America before before Final Fantasy VII. It was it was a lot more niche. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but again, considered maybe the greatest uh, RPG of all time by. <laughs> By a lot of people, I could argue that I could, I could definitely, like definitely see that. Yeah, it's it's like you know, Games Radar places it um, like at thirty second place and hundred best games of all time. First place on best JRPGs. Uh, game Informer uh, called it its fifteenth favorite game. So it's just you know, it's on a lot of lists for greatest games of all time for good reason. Uh, again, it, it's just like a ton of uh, work went into this game and a ton of like huge talent uh, went into the game as well. 
Uh, but not a not a merch heavy game, not a game where they were like, hey, we need to make toys of all these characters. And I can kind of see why it's not. Yeah, it's not the most toy friendly. Like you could get great action figures out of it, but there's not a lot a, a lot of stuff where it's like, I want a Chrono Trigger T-shirt. There's not a lot of T-shirtable moment, moments in the game, you know? Yes, yeah, true. I mean, I see a lot of stuff at cons for Chrono Trigger to this day. Yeah, uh, but yeah, man, back then, I maybe. Maybe they just kind of thought as the national release of the game is kind of a forethought. They like knew yeah. it would sell well in Japan and then everywhere else was just kind of, yeah. I mean, once your game does that well in your own country, I mean, that's a lot, right. like that's a lot of copies for Japan that sell. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, so there were a ton of re-releases of this game, notably the PS one version with its huge issues with loading times. Um, which introduced the cutscenes, uh, which were animated by Toei Animation. Um, so uh, you have the people who worked on Dragon Ball, uh, ostensibly Dragon Ball Z, um, working on these cutscenes, and they're amazing. Um, I always, when I saw them as a kid, I was like, "Oh man, I hope someday they make a cartoon," because I would love to watch a Chrono Trigger cartoon in I that mean, animation. Style. Yeah, that would be sweet. I want to see him as a Smash Bros. character. I mean, it's never going to happen, but that's my ultimate wish. If I got I mean, Chrono, I would I would be I, I would never ask for another character. Yeah, that would be awesome. We could we could live in hope. Yeah, <laughs> I I think if anybody that I'm this actually on my list gets in, it's going to be Gino, and he'll be one of the last ones announced. Oh yeah, because a lot of a lot of the characters that they're putting in are from the um are from the Smash Ballot, and Gino rated really highly on the Smash Ballot, and um. But the Dragon Quest hero, he was huge on the on the Smash ballot. Really? Oh, okay. I don't know. Well, I never played eleven. I am planning on playing eleven, but people. Well, see, they did the Dragon Quest hero because the eleven just came out. But they also have people from more famous and popular games as well. So you can switch the costume and be any of the different heroes. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I think that's really neat. And you know, I mean, Dragon Quest sells like crazy in Japan. People call out of work to go play Dragon Quest when anyone comes out. It, it like it is one of the biggest things ever in Japan. Hmm. It's like people just sorry, uh, it's, I have it's, to can't come into work today. I have to go on a quest, a Dragon Quest. Bigger than Final Fantasy. Big Dragon one? Quest is, is is a bigger uh franchise than Final Fantasy in Japan. Wow. Yeah. Um so it also had the uh, DS port which is like I said, I think the ultimate way to play it. Um, unfortunately not something you play on a big TV, which kind of sucks. Um, and it has the, uh, extra, you know, uh, bosses and secret content and stuff. Um, there's also a mobile version, uh, that was eventually ported to PC, which sucks balls. Uh, maybe one of the worst ports in history, <laughs> Just kind of fun. Yay. Leave yeah. it to the phones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it like the text is really weird and a, in a crappy font, um, and all of the tile sets are really messed up, so they don't match up anymore. They all look kind of gross, and, and um, they, you can see the edges a lot more than you see it in, in the original game. That's weird. Huh. Yeah, so the, the tile sets are all screwed up. Um, so yeah, the PC version sucks hard. Uh, they did some stuff to fix it up, but if you have a chance, I would get it on DS instead. Try not to play it on PC, because it's just so bad. Um, you can emulate it if you're, you know into illegal things, I guess. Uh, but I mean, get it you know, any way we, you can is the way I, I would. 
Yeah, play Chrono Trigger any way you can, but try to avoid playing the PC or mobile version if yeah. possible. Um, to to take a note from SNES drunk, play this yeah. game any way you can. Yes, <laughs> play this game um, any way you can. It's the best way. So it. everybody, uh, there were some sequels. Uh, everybody knows about Chrono Cross, or a lot of people know about Chrono Cross, which I'm getting a real itch to play. I don't know why. Have you ever uh, have you ever tried to play it before? I have started it up, but I know it's got, you know, issues, but I really want to play it. Yeah, it's interesting. I just, yeah, I've heard it's very weird. It has a ton of characters, too many. The battle mechanics are a little strange. That's, that's, that was the thing yeah. at the time, because Suikoden had it crap done, too. You right. know how many characters you get at Suikoden 2? How many? 102. Christ, that's yeah. too many characters. <laughs> I think a thing I love about Chrono Trigger, not to get too much into the gameplay stuff, but a thing I love about Chrono Trigger is there's just enough characters to care about. Yeah. And you like them all yeah. eventually. Yeah. Yeah. And they all have They're unique all, personalities. Yeah. They all have unique personalities. They all have really cool moves and it really encourages you to switch out occasionally. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really good. Um, but so uh, the Chrono uh, Trigger sequel that we got, Chrono Cross, is not super closely related but it's not actually the first sequel. The first sequel is a Satellaview visual novel game featuring a young adventurer as the player character, uh, a character named Kid, a teenage thief, and another character named Gil, a masked magician who is absolutely just Magus wearing a mask. As you do. It's, yeah. Um, this became the seed idea for Chrono Cross, uh, which I still have not played, and I know zero things about. Um, but like I said, I'm getting an itch to play it, so I'll probably play it. Um, but uh, yeah, that visual novel was uh, sort of the basis for Chrono Cross eventually. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. an interesting so, playthrough if you ever get a chance. Kind of kind of fun. Well, I own it. I think you bought it for me. I did? Radical Dreamers? Pro- no, not Radical Dreamers. Oh, Chrono Cross. Sorry. Yeah. I thought I was talking about, Sorry, I I was talking about Red- Radical yeah. Dreamers. I'm just going to say that. Interesting. I would love to play Radical Dreamers at some point. Apparently, the first scenario is like you're locked into the first scenario the first time you play it, but there's like six other endings you can get. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. An, I've watched part of it and it looked pretty interesting. Yeah. And also, there exists two or three um, ROM hacks of the game that are worth picking up. One of them is called Crimson Echoes, and the other one I right. don't remember the. It just came out. I don't remember the name of it, uh, but I remember the plot. Apparently, it has something to do with. Um, what was it? It had something to do with Shala. Is that her name? Yeah. Mm-hmm. She gets her own game. Meg is a six sister. Yeah. Oh, really? That's cool. Someone made her She's own a cool game. character. So like they, they did a revision of the game as if I guess, cause I haven't beat that far, but got that far in the game yet. But yeah, uh, I guess she gets stuck in the ocean palace. Huh? Does she? It's interesting, but they, they do like, I, they change things mm-hmm. up and like, oh, if she got out of it, what would happen? And they right. hack them. Right. I thought this was interesting. Yeah, that's that's cool. I can't remember exactly what happens to Shala. I don't wanna I don't wanna ruin it. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, it, it's uh Chrono Trigger has a, a pretty big history of, of fan games because people love it and they want more Chrono Trigger. And in fact there was a three D revival project to remake the first game in a uh, like a three D system. Um 
and Square is classically known to be litigious, uh, so they send ceases and uh, cease and desist letters to anybody who tries to make a fan project, despite the fact that they haven't done anything with a franchise in like fifty thousand years. Yeah, they're ready to jump people, on somebody who you know who does something though. Yeah, and and also not to mention uh, the creators of the game have said you know it'd be really hard to get a sequel going because there's all these all these people work at different companies now and they're all doing different things. So getting that dream team back together, those big three would be super hard yeah, uh, to get everybody's schedules nailed down. Cause none of them are working for square anymore. Yeah. And the game I was thinking of, by the way, is, uh, is yeah. Chrono Trigger Shala edition. Ah, is this in cartridge form? So, yeah, I, I really love those, um, fan games that are, uh, put in as a, uh, uh, as a as a repro cartridge because it's yeah. just it's it's so fun cool. to play new stuff on your on your super Nintendo. yeah i know that's why like i buy all kinds of crap from yeah there. stuff that never came over and stuff that somebody made like i love mario hacks on right. the cart. i don't know why yeah I, I i i love the idea of mario hacks but i probably wouldn't play anymore uh because i've got mario maker it's true. it's true but i mean like there's some trying about playing on the super nintendo and and they make uh, f-zero there's, hacks too which is cool mm-hmm. i played one there's on something the charming about getting extra levels in a game you in, yeah. in a game you love it's just more that's sometimes though. all you yeah. want yeah and it's, it's like oh like, i want to play more i want to play more mario world yeah here you go i want to play more f-zero and i didn't want to play a hack that was just like you have to do ridiculous turns and do crazy stuff that go against the mechanics of the game in order to beat it I just want more yeah. tracks that are fun and challenging and you know, they do make this something for everybody. Yeah. Totally. And, you know, Chrono Trigger has had a huge influence on the gaming industry. Uh, a lot of people have tried and failed, I think, to capture the um, feeling and, and aesthetic of Chrono Trigger as an RPG. Um, you've got things like, Oh, uh, cosmic star heroin uh, gives me pretty big Chrono Trigger vibes. Uh, and then there was those, uh, I forget exactly. I think they were like little sort of, um, I don't know. Uh, they were released by Square, if I'm not mistaken. But you have things like Lost Sphere that uh, are trying very hard to be Chrono Trigger esque. Yeah. And there's nothing really. They just, they kind of fall short. Yeah. There's nothing bit. out there that really mimic it, mimics it. I just. Yeah. Nothing there's nothing it. out there that does a, a really good job of it, at least. No. You know? We'll probably see a Chrono Trigger 2 when we see a Half-Life 3. Yeah, which is to say never, which yeah. is fine. The game is perfect how it is. It it stands on its own. I don't have to have a sequel to be happy. That's right. But it would be awesome. There are, like I said, there's the fan-made ones, which, you know, can take yeah. over. But, yeah, there's not going to be. Not to mention, bringing, bringing Chrono Trigger into the third dimension and making it like a modern RPG, I feel like it would lose a lot of the... Unless it's just like, I mean, they kind of did. If you think about Dragon Quest, you know. Yeah, I just I don't know. Dragon Quest had a history of being a series. that was like we're changing things up every time. Chrono Trigger. I mean, if you don't count Chrono Cross, Chrono Trigger is kind of its own deal. And there's so many advances that have been made in RPGs where like, you know, things like Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest have been following those changes and, and making new games. Chrono Trigger hasn't had that benefit. If you made a new game based on Chrono Trigger and just tried to iterate based on the Chrono Trigger formula, it would be a pretty dated game. Yeah. 
you know i guess what you're saying yeah it's just it's just a it's legend, just like what i guess you can't mess with what e- what exactly makes chrono trigger so special it's it, there's an essence to it that's yeah. you know it's very hard to capture and i think if you tried to make an entirely new game it would be yeah very difficult to do without making it some kind of like retro throwback thing yeah it's just one it's just i guess it's just like a one-of-a-kind game kind of like you'll never you, there'd be a lot of really good baseball players but there'll only ever be one babe ruth you know kind of thing yeah yeah exactly it's it's um, it's an interesting situation where I would love to see a new game, but it probably wouldn't be great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe if they got some people who like really love Chrono Trigger, sort of do like a, a, a Sonic Mania sort of thing. I, w- I would play that. Yeah. No. Well, that about wraps it up, man. I don't have any more uh, any more notes in me. No more there's notes? a ton of other stuff you can. Yeah, there's a ton of other stuff you can read um about the game and i will post all those up uh throughout the week on our twitter um so check that out uh there's just so much information on chrono trigger i could spend all day just like reading you um the interviews uh that they did it's just it was such an important game and they you know (laughs) they obviously uh uh very carefully took down (laughs) all the information about it so yeah it was easy to find stuff and hard to narrow it down to what would be important for the yeah. show. It's, it's so strange. Cause like, I'm sure yeah. they all knew back then that, that what they were making was something like super special, but like what would make them kind of be like, yeah. all right, it's done. And then like, just kind of forget about it and never like, yeah, I don't know. Do you think they'd want to immortalize it more? Right. They just kind of didn't, I don't know. They just moved on to bigger things. It yeah. was like, it was like, four random people getting together and lighting this, this like super like one off hit, right. And music just like, just writing this super awesome song. They make the one song and then that's it. And then they go on about their lives. Yeah. And people still listen to that song, you know, 50 years later, Yeah, but they, they, they (laughs) don't, they're like, Oh yeah. You know, we did that once. I don't know. Yep. Does that make sense? (laughs) Well, yeah, they, they tried with Chrono Cross, but it was just so different that again, like, you move to a different dimension. You don't have the same characters or the same setting or the same art style. It doesn't seem like Chrono Trigger anymore. No. You know? Yeah. It's not 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 uh, not the same kind of game. Yeah, and I don't think they were trying but, to remake Chrono Trigger with Chrono Cross either. So they, no, they were definitely trying to to make a, a new type of game uh, within the same franchise, which is like I don't know. They I think they should have gone the Final Fantasy route where they made something that at least felt like it was in, uh, in the same style, you know? Yeah. I think maybe secret deep down, they're like, we don't, we want it to, but we don't want it to. I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. Like a sequel. Will a sequel ruin the legacy we've created? Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. All right, guys. Uh, I think that's about enough for the, uh, research episode, but, uh, if you would like to call in, uh, anything in the future about games, uh, although, you know, not for this one, because we're going to be playing them on the next episode. We have all of our stuff. Uh, just call us at uh, 747-21-RESET. That's 747-217-3738. Heck yeah. I got it. Heck I'll yeah. Check that out. Also, feel free check to text out. and email. Leave some questions yep, on Discord. Reset pod. Mm-hmm. There's so many options. There's oh, yeah, so many. Join our Discord. I'll put an invite link in our show notes. We discordially invite you to join our Discord. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to say that. All right, guys. I finally can say it. Uh, oh. it was pretty amazing. Yeah. It was pretty amazing, That's dude. That's what I can say. I'm uh, well, proud of you. So, there's one thing you missed slightly. Uh, uh, what did I the miss? The giveaway, the raffle. 
Oh, we're going to announce the raffle next episode. Okay. Okay. The winner will be announced next episode. And like I said, we're going to be giving away that eShop card and some t-shirts. So Stay get ready for that, guys. For next episode, where I will be talking a lot more than what I did this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle's going to be taking over. Yep. He's the I'm going to be. He's the gamesman. You're going to go step by step with me on my journey through Chrono Trigger Land. It'll be fun, I hope. And our review of the uh, game. Of the it's game. It's going to be super fun. It'll be awesome. Yeah. All right, we'll see you guys next time. Later.